Do any of you here, uh, are you like people watchers? Anybody people watchers? Okay, for those of you who don't know what people watchers are, they're people that watch people. <laughs> I really feel clarity has descended upon the house this morning. I love watching people because I really, really like people. I'm an extrovert. So don't ever invite me round to your home. And if you do, don't say make yourself at home. Because I will. I'll rummage through your cupboards and everything. I really will. But I love people. And if I could pray one thing for the church, it would be God. Give us not just a greater love for you, but a greater love for people as well. So I'm fascinated with people. I love it when I walk around and I see husbands shopping with their wives. That's a very entertaining time when they're going around the supermarket and the husband feels like he's got control of the trolley, but he hasn't. He hasn't because his wife's got that little digit just in the corner and she's steering it. And I love watching husbands when they're waiting for their wives to try on clothes. I've got three women in my life, one wife, two daughters, and I want to have quality time shopping with them. But it's hard, isn't it? It's really hard. So I love watching the dynamic. I love, I spend my time, I do about 30,000 miles a year on the motorways and roads of England and around the place. And when I'm stuck in traffic, I love watching people in their cars. But it can get you into a spot of bother when you're people watching and they turn around and see you watching them. <laughs> and that can be awkward. Uh. It's difficult, but I love people. I love people. But you know what? I don't just want to be a people watcher. I want to be a people interactor. I want to be a people interactor. I love interacting with people. We all need interaction. Even you introverts, you need it just for less time and maybe a bit more deep. And then you need to go lie down in a darkened room for a little while afterwards. You get me? But you still need that interaction with people. And I am so glad that my God wasn't a people watcher. I'm so glad that he didn't gaze at a distance and, and stay disconnected from humanity. That he was a people interactor. That he didn't stay remote and distant. And I don't know where you are this morning in your journey of faith. It might be that you're a committed Jesus follower. It might be that you're here this morning because one of your friends is, is going to be baptized and you're a little bit freaked out. And you're a little bit thinking, God, it's a bit lively here. I don't know what to cope with it. I, can't, I don't know what to do. It's all alien. It's maybe not what you've experienced, but it's because there's an excitement in this place because we've discovered that God's a people interactor. He's not a watcher. He's not some kind of vain kind of philosophy and set of rules and regulations that he's imposed upon us from some kind of distance that we've got to hope we can somehow live up to. No, he's a God who becomes real. To people 
And followers of Jesus are about people who've experienced God interacting with them in, in their lives. And I'd like to explore in the time that I have available this morning just some thoughts about what that might mean for those of us who already follow Jesus, but what that might mean for those of you here today who are, who are not kind of sure about it or, or maybe you're exploring. So to help us do that, I'm just going to read a bunch of sentences from the best place to go for all matters of life and faith, and that's the Bible. So for those of you who are familiar with the Bible, you'll understand what I mean if I say turn to John chapter 4, 1 to 10. But for those of you who are not familiar, let me just read these words to you, and then I'm going to make a few comments, and then I'm going to hand back over, and we're going to watch and celebrate the baptisms that are going to take place says this, the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. Now, when the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, I find Jesus a very, very fascinating person in so many ways. And I'm really grabbed and I'm really intrigued with how he interacted with this person. How he showed that he, that God, was genuinely the God who cares for people. It's a lovely interaction, and uh, I don't know how far we'll get through the interaction this morning. We'll see how it goes, but I do want to introduce you to some interesting things. Now, the first thing I love about Jesus, you know, he was God, but he, he kind of was normal as well. Isn't he? I mean, he, he held this, almost this kind of impossible tension of being God, but being fully human. And I think he nailed it, quite frankly. I think he bossed it. I do. I mean, I couldn't do it, but I think he absolutely smashed it when it came to being God and being human. Just come with me to this passage. I'm going to show you something that I think is really fascinating. To help me launch that, I've got to tell you this story. Now, I don't know whether this story is true or false. I hope it's true. Okay, I hope it's true. So there's this young married couple who'd um, moved to a new area because the gentleman had, had got some promotion. And they moved to a part of town that they could only dream of living in, in their wildest dreams. They never thought that they'd be able to do that. But they finally, he got this promotion, they moved to this part of town. And um, have you ever found yourself 
in an environment when a conversation's happening, and quite frankly, you haven't got a clue what's being spoken about. Some of you are probably thinking, yes, right now. <laughs> but they were in one of these moments, and the conversation ebbed and flowed. They'd invited to this dinner party. They were in a, a social environment they weren't used to. And um, the lady of the house, the story says, she went out and bought a new dress. And the husband, he kind of just wore what he always wore, quite frankly. Maybe ironed it a little bit. And they're in the kind of social interaction. And the conversation is ebbing and flowing and flowing and ebbing. And it got on to a number of things that the lady didn't, didn't have a clue about. And it, somebody said, oh, Mozart. Now, you and I know Mozart as a classical music composer. She hadn't a clue. So he got Mozart, and people were saying how amazing was she said, because her confidence was growing now. She'd moved beyond just laughing when other people laughed, and shaking her head when other people shook their head, and nodding her head when other people nodded theirs, thus faking knowledge. She'd moved beyond that, and she had a whole new confidence. Mozart, she said, what an amazing chap. Do you know, I saw him <laughs> just the other day on the number eight bus to Leicester Square. Well, the husband gave the wife one of those glares that I affectionately called the spousal glare. It's a very simple glare. It looks like this. And it's normally followed by this which basically means we're going, we're going. Wheel screen, door slammed, they arrived at home, they got into the sitting room. What? Said the wife. Mozart? You saw him? Just the other day, on the number eight bus to Leicester Square. I mean, everybody knows the number eight bus doesn't go to Leicester Square. Now, I, I did check out those facts with Scott after the first time I used this story, and we were sure that that is factually correct. Listen, what, what I love about Jesus, he didn't try to be somebody else. This lady was trying to fit in to something, to be something else. Jesus had never tried to be something else. He was very comfortable with who he was. He left heaven, he rocked up to our planet, and the Bible tells us he lived amongst us. He like just lived out his life. And when I see this passage, I think it's remarkable. It, it says that Jesus, and I think it's really interesting that the Bible picks up on this. It says that Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down. Do you ever feel a bit tired from the journey of life? Might be that some of you are here today and you're tired from the journey of life. What's really fascinating is it says Jesus sat down, tired as he was from the journey of life. Now we know he was hungry for the disciples had gone to buy food. We know he was thirsty because he asked the lady for a drink. So he was tired, he was hungry, and he was thirsty. Now, if that was me, I would add another little word on there that we use up north where I'm from called ratty. I'm not good when I'm tired. Anybody else not good when they're tired? 
I'm not good when I'm hungry. Anybody else not good when I'm hungry? When I'm hungry, when you're hungry? I'm not good when I'm thirsty. Anybody else not good when they're thirsty? Anybody terrible when they're hungry, thirsty, and tired? Anybody get ratty? Hangry is one of the words, isn't it? And I, I love this because Jesus, this was God, but he was human. I don't know what you think about when you think about God, for those of you who may be fairly new to all this faith. But what, what I've discovered about God is not only does he stay distant, but he's, he's real, he's, he's approachable. Don't you've ever met people that you just think you can't approach? God's very approachable. He took the initiative in coming down to planet Earth. He, he approached us first so that we can approach him, so that we can come to him. And the reason these lovely folks are saying, I'm going to be baptized, and I love all the different stories. And again, even like in the first service, different stories, again, it's amazing. But what it shows us is that God's an approachable God and that he's approached us. He's the God that cares for people so much so that he didn't stay distant. He came down to a real world and lived just as we lived. He's the God that identifies with us and that we can identify with him. He was tired, he was hungry, and he was thirsty. He was normal, just like you and me. And yet, he was this incredible God. But he didn't stay distant. He identifies. For those who are followers of Jesus, it's so important that we're normal. That we don't try to be something that we're not. That would be true to who we are. That we don't hide our faith, but we don't ram it down people's throats either. But let's be who we are. Let's be true to who we are. Don't, don't hold back. Don't hide your faith. Be true to who you are. My encouragement to those who are taking a stand in the waters of baptism is stay true to who you are. So he was normal. But then what I also like about Jesus, he was present. There's so many times, in fact, if you do a statistical analysis, most of the time that Jesus spent with human beings was to people that weren't his followers, if you take the 12 followers of Jesus out and then look at all the rest of the time, most of the time he spent with people that weren't his followers, and it was in some kind of social context, in a home, over a meal. He knew how to be present with people. Did you know you, should you desire, can become a card-carrying member of the National Prune Juice Association? Did you know that? Did you know that you can receive the Barbed Wire Collector magazine? It's published every month, should you want to know, in Texas, America. And each company around the world that produces barbed wire produces its own unique design. And wire enthusiasts, they even have their own name. They wait avidly for new wire to come onto the market, avidly. In fact, married couples are invited to send a photograph of themselves for a feature called the prickly pair of the month. And then there's the, I, got, I got this information from a program I used to watch called The Big Breakfast many years ago. Some of you remember it. And they had this feature called Join Me Club. And there was all sorts of random clubs, weird clubs. And when I watched it, the first question that came to my mind is, why? Why? 
to some of those clubs, I still have that question, why? But you know what? There is something about human beings that needs to belong, that needs to connect, that needs to connect with others. And we find things that we have in common. Now, other people might go, that's, I've not got that in common with you, and that's fine, because we're all unique and different. But it's so, so important that we connect with people as human beings. As I mentioned, even the introverts amongst you. And I think it's really fascinating that even God himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's a community. I find it interesting that God didn't stay distant, but he came down to be with us. And all the way through the life of Jesus, you see him being present with people. Jesus today is waiting to be present with you. If you've never said yes to him, he wants you to open up your life and so that he can be present with you and you can be present with him. And for those of us who are already followers of Jesus, it's important that we're present with others, that we might bring Jesus to other people. My time's not far off gone, and I do want to say one final thing. See, it's important to be present it's important to be normal, and it's important to be caring. It's important to be caring. I, um, I'm going to tell you this very quick story. I'll give you the headlines because it illustrates something. I, I'm a fan of um, a thing called uh, Staples, which is an office superstar. Have we got any stationary fans in here this morning? I love stationary. I do love it. And I used to go along to, there's not many of them around now. So, and it's um, like the office superstore. And in Huddersfield, where I lived for a number of years, I'd, I'd gone and there was this guy who was fairly new. He was a brilliant greeter. And then a, a few months afterwards, uh, I went back in and he, he, he didn't look happy at all. His, his face was miserable and he was normally so happy. And I said, well, mate, are you all right? I, I can't remember his name now because it's so long ago. Let's say he was called Steve. So I said, Steve, are you all right? He said, no, I'm not I said, oh, what's wrong, mate? He said, you know, I've only just moved to Huddersfield. I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, well, my landlord, who was one of those unscrupulous landlords, my landlord uh, texted me this morning and, and said, I've, I've got to leave um, by the end of the day. It was, it was a really dodgy setup, and he was new to Huddersfield. He was, he was quite awkward in as much as he didn't really know many people. So I said, look, I said, you know I'm a Christian. We'd, we'd got to know each other because I was in every week, to be fair. We'd got to know each other. And I said, look, I'll, I'll push it out around my church to see whether anybody can help. I, I can't help out because I'm away so much and, and I'm married, so it wouldn't be, wouldn't be appropriate. Let, let me see what I can do. I said, but what I will promise to do is pray for you. Now, I've discovered something. If you're going to promise to pray for somebody... Do it like immediately. Like not in the middle of staples. Because that's weird. Just by the pens. Do you know what I mean? It's weird wherever it is. Not just by the pens. Okay. But what I've is, is pray straight away. Because what happens is. If, 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 if you're not careful. And this has happened to me. I, much to my regret. I've promised to pray for somebody. And then I've like seen them a little while afterwards. And they've gone. Oh your prayers. Amazing. And I'm doing that very Christian thing where I'm going, oh, it's not me, it's the Lord. <laughs> and yes, it was the Lord, because I didn't pray, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, have you ever been in those embarrassing situations? Please tell me it's not just me. Don't go all Christian on me, be normal. 
Yeah, we've had those moments, haven't we? But this one, I smashed it and I nailed it. So I got into my Cavalier, my Vauxhall Cavalier car, and I sat down and I prayed for him. Now, I can't remember the exact timings, but let's just say it was around 12 o'clock. Okay, it's a little while back. And um, so I saw him the following week. I said to him, mate, you, you look happier. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, did you pray? I said, I did. <laughs> I did pray, yeah. He said, what time did you pray? Let's say it was about half past 12. I said, about half past 12. He said, you are not going to believe it. I said to him, try me. <laughs> he said, at about quarter to one, I got a text from my landlord who said, look, it, it, it's all gone wrong. It's, everything's changed. Is, is there any chance you could, I'm going to have to ask you to leave, but could you stay in the house for another couple of months? He says, and because I've messed you about, I'll give it your rent free. Oh. How easy was that to show that I care? Just simply say, let me pray for you. Sometimes I think when we think about caring, we think it's got to be these massive things. And I've just discovered sometimes showing that you care can be the easiest and simplest thing. Like when I pull my neighbor's bin in, they're blown away that I'm just not thinking about myself. And when I've prayed for lots of people. And so to land what I want to say to you this morning, God is the God who cares for people. And what's really fascinating, simply, even simply, by asking this lady for a drink, it showed that he cares. I haven't got time to dig in and unpack and explore and explode for you this morning as to why that was, but... In that simple act of him asking a lady who he shouldn't even be interacting with, according to cultural law and tradition, shouldn't even be interacting. But isn't this fascinating that before he did something for her, he said, can you do something for me? And the power wrapped up in that request showed that Jesus overcame the divide of cultures the divide of sexes, the divide of historical culture and practices. He really, really is the God who cares for people. He came to be with us. He was normally was present. He was caring. Maybe for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we might show that we are the people that care for people by being normal, by being present, by being caring. Thank you.